Amen. We are going to uh, walk through some scripture together today. Thank you, Landon, for coming up and reading during worship. There's just something so powerful about the public reading of scripture, and we're trying to explore how to do that more effectively, even integrating into worship from time to time, and just drinking something from this fountain of the Lord. Uh, you know, these these ideas that we read about in scripture are just beautiful realities that are taking place. So let's just be sensitive what the Lord's desiring to reveal as we're uh, walking this out. We are going to get to Philippians chapter 4, what Landon was reading. So if you want to open your Bibles to Philippians 4, we're going to take a quick stop in 2 Corinthians um, 7, but <clears throat> it'll be on the screen. My main text today is going to be Philippians 4, and I'm really working to try and get everybody in their old-fashioned Bible um, so that we're kind of returning to some roots and exploring the turn the page challenge of how to just read through the Bible all the way through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, one page at a time, uh, writing the date at the top of the page. So um, I think it's really important that we understand something in where we're going today specifically. The, we've been talking about this for a long time and exploring and trying to experience what, it, what it's supposed to be and what the Lord's desiring to do. Um, there are some major shakers and movers in the world, internationally in the church, that are claiming that the church is undergoing the greatest reformation since the days of Martin Luther. Now, that's a pretty big statement. <clears throat> But I really believe, absolutely, major reformation is taking place, and it's vitally important that we get the picture of what the Lord's desiring to do, um, because we can't just keep doing what we've always been doing. We have to become who God's called us to become and mobilize the church as effectively as possible. And what, what we see is in the blueprint of Scripture, uh, God has revealed His plan for the church. And his plan for the church is that, Ephesians chapter 4, ordinary people, I think that's part of why God asked me to step into a role of ministry, my crazy background, my uh, lack of training, you know, I never went to seminary, I never, no one ever taught me how to preach a sermon, probably still don't know how. Um, but you know, I just want what the Lord wants, and I think the Lord just said to me, I'm going to find somebody who's pretty ill-qualified, not qualified, and put them up in a place where everybody can look and say, oh, okay, well, if God can use a buffoon like you, he can use me too. Uh, I, mean, I just want you to know you're qualified to be used by God, if that's the premise <laughs> in and of itself. But Ephesians 4 says that God takes ordinary people and gives them the work of the ministry. Ordinary people, according to the blueprint of Scripture, the church should be ordinary people that are doing the work of the ministry and are being helped accomplish the work of the ministry by ministry leaders, people that are in vocational ministry. That would be somebody like me, somebody you know, in church leadership, what, what we'll term the professionals in ministry um, because of the way we think in the world that we live today. That's the blueprint of the, of the church according to the Word of God. Are we all in agreement with that? We understand that. Like you actually are called by God to do the work of the ministry in your five-foot circle everywhere you go. This is really important that we understand because what we've done by and large, culturally speaking, is we've dismissed that reality and we've 
converted that where the professionals, the ministry vocational leaders are actually doing the job and ordinary people are paying them to do the job of the ministry. Please think about what I'm saying. Because it's absolutely reversed to what it really should be. <clears throat> uh, I'm just reflecting on even you know, the way we go about what we're doing. And I know I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorting through it myself. But what I'm, what I'm realizing is when we gather like this, we really need to be way more presence central than we are pulpit central. We need to be centered around the Spirit of God, not necessarily the sermon of the day. Because what happens in this setting, if, if all we're doing is coming together and the focus is a great message and a sermon and, and maybe even an angry rant from time to time, uh, then we really aren't able to model church in our five-foot circle or we're just angry religious people with a sermon to preach. But if we gather more around presence and we're just... We're taking our time, and we're just listening to what the Lord is doing. We're that Acts 15 verse, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I love that. If we're modeling that together and experiencing that together and exploring that together, even in the way we gather, then we're actually modeling something you can do in your everyday life. Like get around people and just be sensitive to what the Lord may be saying. Because we're spending time practicing His presence as our way of life. We certainly want to do that in the way that we're gathering and coming together in this regard. So with the understanding that the church should be mobilizing ordinary people, if you're ordinary people, say amen. amen. You don't have to be something you're not to be used by God. That's one of the biggest problems people have. They think they have to become something before they can use by God. But if God is using ordinary people right where we are to do extraordinary things because he's an extraordinary God, then what we have to stop focusing on is all the spectacular. And what we have to recognize is it doesn't have to be spectacular in order to be supernatural. And we want to just experience the supernatural. You know, having a conversation with somebody and you have a sense of compassion from God in your heart that engages on a deeper level, that draws them into a deeper interaction, actually is a supernatural power of the Spirit maneuver taking place relationally. You understand what I'm saying? Like this is just normal everyday life for us to walk in this type of exchange with God. This is mobilizing the church to understand this. So as we mobilize the church to be more effective in terms of exploring ministry to people around us, then there's some real basic things we need to understand in preparation for uh, being used by God in the work of the ministry. And I want to talk about today, and I'm going to just tell you right up front, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to repent um, because I have just felt so strongly this week that there are people that are, are going to be hearing what I'm saying online in the room, that you're going to be listening to this, and you're going to need to admit you have submitted to negativity in many respects in your life. And so I I'm, I'm want you to understand right up front, that's where we're driving at this, uh, and the title to, today for this is No More Negative Feasts. <laughs> Enough with the negativity. Negativity is an enemy to your faith. If you want to be used mightily by God, again, say amen. amen. And so you've got to have a, a strong faith stepping into the places where God's called you to be used by Him. And if you're constantly rehearsing negativity, then God wants to break that off of you today so that your faith is stronger, so that you're stepping in 
free from this anxiety and fearfulness and apprehension and moving into a greater space and place of confidence because you're listening to what the Spirit of God has to say in those moments in time rather than rehearsing the negativity. You've had negative things spoken about you. All of us have. But that does not have power over you like God has power over you when you submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, our risen King, who by His Spirit awakens His Word within us, causing us to become who He's designed us to be. So we're breaking negativity today. Negativity. <clears throat> Pessimism, uh, sorry, pessimists. I, I want you to think about on the scale of 1 to 10, and by the way, this is, this is if, if I have a soapbox sermon, it, it'd be this, because I tend to be on that positive side of things, you know, uh, like unrealistically positive sometimes, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, there's, there's a spectrum of uh, optimists and pessimists and where are you on that spectrum I want you to think about it are you Eeyore or are you Tigger okay you got that are you figuring it out yet where are you on that spectrum and this is the thing that I, I want you to understand um, realism is not a sin uh, and so understand that and, and, and this is kind of an interesting study I, I was looking into this and just realized pessimists often believe optimists are out of touch with reality. Would you agree with that? I know there's some people that are saying, I'm glad you're saying that because <laughs> pessimists oftentimes find optimists to be out of touch with reality. And the, the, the research actually does show pessimists are more often right than are optimists. But Optimists statistically accomplish more, live longer, healthier, happier lives. So give it a rest, okay? Relax a little bit. Don't get all caught up in every statistical, analytical, I'm going to make sure, and just chill a little bit. Relax. It's okay. I mean, we get so caught up in so many things, and, and I, just, I think that sometimes we have to be able to lay some stuff aside and say, I'm not going to try to figure everything out. If you're trying to figure God out before you're willing to serve Him, good luck with that. Like, He's bigger than that. There's just some stuff you're not going to be able to wrestle down with your intellect. Your theology should not be hemmed in to the parameters of your intellect. Your intellect is an important part of your theology, but your theology should be bigger than your intellect. In other words, God's going to do some stuff beyond my understanding, and I'm not going to be negative about it and try and figure it out and hold, out, hold back until I see, all right, once I understand, then I'll allow God to be God. So we're going to cleanse a little bit today. We're going to detox a little bit uh, today. I, I was on this board in the community with this group of people and, and sitting next to this guy. He's pretty fit. And uh, we're sitting there and the, they, the, the meeting is about to start and they bring in a box of donuts and they plop these donuts down in front of this guy. And I know he's like a runner. And so I was just interested to see what he would do. And I kind of watched him as he kind of glanced over at the donuts. And I mean, he didn't take even a second, just looked at the donuts, saw what they were, and he went back to his iPad for a moment, and I, and I, I knew he wouldn't, but I said, oh, are you going to have a donut? And he simply said, I'm training for a race that's not on my diet. And I, I thought about that. Like, you and I are actually called to run the race with perseverance. And uh, let's just use the donuts as an analogy of the negative feast the enemy tries to put 
in front of us sometimes. Comments, other people say, how many of you are too hard on yourself? Just raise your hand if you're too hard on yourself. Be honest for a moment. I mean, you beat yourself up. Some of y'all don't even need a devil. You're so negative on yourself. (laughs) And when those donuts, when that negativity is served, and you just need to look at it and say, I'm training for my race. That's not on my diet. I'm not taking that in. I'm not rehearsing that in my mind. I'm in a state of detoxing this negativity. So I love this text. This is where the, I want to kind of lay just groundwork for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have these promises, therefore, since we have these promises, are you thankful you have these promises? You and I have the mind of Christ. We have the Word of God. We should rehearse the Word of God, and it activates the mind of Christ so that we can learn to be biblically minded in the way we think. Since we have these promises, here it is, let us detoxify our negativity. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. What a great verse of Scripture. Since we have the promises of God, let us purify ourselves from everything that is a constant state of contamination in our way of thinking. Did you know that in eating food, (coughs) got choked up about that for a moment, did you know that in eating food your body has a certain buildup of preservatives and chemicals. You understand your body actually has a certain buildup of the, from the food residual, that, the residual of food that you eat. And to fast and pray is actually more than just a healthy spiritual practice. It's actually a healthy physical practice because your body begins to detoxify. <clears throat> this week, let's spiritually detoxify and let's refuse any negative feasts. I want to say it again, no more negative feasts. Let's detox our system and commit ourselves this week specifically to allow our faith to be strengthened because, again, you are called by God to be involved in ministry in the lives of everybody around you. You need to have a strong faith, and negativity fights against your faith. So, the Lord's going to help us with this. Every time uh, negativity tries to come your way this week, I want you just to say it out loud. That's not on my diet. I'm training for the race. Let's say it together. That's not on my diet. I'm training for the race. Let's say it one more time. That's not on my diet. I'm training for the race. Uh, No more donuts. What a sad thing to say. I want to encourage you to to check out our blog uh, this week because I have many verses on there about a daily declaration. We've talked about that before. But, you know, it's just a good thing to do every morning when you wake up. Like what, what we did in worship, like that really can be your lifestyle. Do you understand that? Like wake up in the morning and just enter into the atmosphere of the presence of the Lord. Turn on worship music in your house. It'd be great to have an atmosphere of worship in your home. Like the reading of Scripture in the time of worship, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and, and just the positive declaration, like, this is a good day. How many of you know this is a good day? I mean, there are things you could be frustrated about, but it doesn't really do much good to complain, so we might as well just 
come into alignment. This is a good day. This is a wonderful day. I am a mighty man of God, surrendered to the heart of Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm going over. I'm not going under. Nothing anybody says about me has any more power than what God has to say about me, including myself. So I'm going to rehearse what God has to say about me. This is a good day. I mean, this declaration is written out on our blog for you to take a look at. And I would encourage you just to come up with your own rendition of whatever that looks like, particularly over the course of this week as we're detoxing and we're conquering negativity, every morning wake up and begin to make that bold declaration over your day. If this were uh, just a glass of water and I put dirt in it, you understand, we could actually clean that out by just continually pouring a steady stream of clear, pure water into the glass. You'd have to keep pouring it and keep pouring it, but ultimately that dirt would start to get jostled and it would come over the sides and it would become clean. This is exactly what has to happen in our way of thinking. We just keep pouring in the right stuff. I'm going to refuse to embrace the negative stuff. I'm going to choose to embrace God's ideas. Your, your opinion about your situation really, really matters. Like in the book of Ezekiel, God said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Why did he even ask him? Because his plan was take a, to take a valley of very dry bones and turn it into a living army before the Lord, uh, their God. But Ezekiel's opinion about the situation mattered enough for him to think about what God was desiring to do. So we want to rehearse what it is God's revealing and what he's saying. And listen, our minds truly are a battleground. It's a battleground. And this is where negative thoughts try to war against the promises of God. Sometimes I just preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. I had somebody tell me one time, Pastor, you're up there talking and talking. Nobody's listening. I know that's not true. But, but somebody did tell me that. <laughs> what we have to learn to do is not just listen to what somebody is saying, but what is God speaking? What, what have I said so far that triggered something in you that ignited an interaction with God? Like you might not even realize that's what's happening but it's igniting an interaction with God. Is anybody right now feeling uh, some sense of conviction? Just raise your hand if you're feeling some sense of conviction. Hold them high. Let's just be honest. Okay, that's, that's like over half of this place already feeling a sense of conviction. What does that mean? That means something that's being spoken is triggering an interaction between you and God. It's a healthy thing because the Bible says repentance brings refreshing. Like God wants you to move into places of great refreshing, but you can't do it if you don't understand what you've been doing wrong so that you can bring that before the Lord and say, God, help me move into another place moving forward in you. Our minds are this battleground that war against the promises of God. I'm going I'm to give you a statement. I felt uh, this morning just in prayer, this is an important statement. It's not on your uh, live notes that if you got those online or your cards or anything like that won't come up on the screen. But would you just write this down? I want to give you a statement to write down. I think it's an important statement. Any area of your life that lacks hope is under the influence of a lie. Any area of your life that lacks hope 
is under the influence of a lie. If your marriage lacks hope, if your finances lack hope, if your health lacks hope, if your future lacks hope, it's under the influence of a lie. Jeremiah 29, 11 very clearly says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're to give you a hope and a future. So any area of your life that lacks hope is under the influence of a lie. And we have to focus in on this correctly. I thought it was really interesting as we kind of journey toward Philippians 4 now. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I, I read this medical journal about the physiological makeup of the brain. And you have a section in your brain. You know that your brain is kind of sectioned and it has different uh, functions. So like there can be a portion of your brain that you start to have problems with and it, some, some of it affects your motor skills. Some of it, you know, it, it d does different things. There's the creative side of the brain. Uh, and so they, they kind of looked at these different chambers of the brain and the functionality of the brain. And, and medically speaking, I'm not even talking about the Bible even though this absolutely substantiates the Word of God. But medically speaking, there is a portion of your brain that actually produces the ability for you to have anxiety. When you use that portion of your brain, it produces the ability for you to have anxiety. Now, there's a portion of that that's a healthy fear element of something that might happen and you, you, know, you see a fire or something like that and you use that portion of your brain in that moment in time, scientifically speaking. There's another portion of your brain that actually is uh, a portion of your brain that, that is the portion of your brain you use when you are being thankful. Two different sections of the brain one is a section of anxiety, one is a section of gratitude. And what they said in the medical journal is this, when you use the section of your brain that produces anxiety, it shuts off the section of your brain that gives gratitude. And when you use the section of your brain that actually produces gratitude and expresses gratitude, it shuts off the section of your brain that produces anxiety. Isn't that interesting? Because the Bible actually says in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious. Be thankful. Don't be anxious, be thankful, be thankful and shut off the anxiety portion of your brain. Be thankful and shut off the anxiety portion of your brain. As we were in prayer earlier this morning, I know this sounds almost, you know, maybe violent for me to say or something, but I, I, I mean, you got to understand, Jesus is not some effeminate little sheep stroker that we see in a, in a picture. Jesus is a militant warrior, a conquering king. And I heard the Lord say to me this morning, today I'm going to break the jaw of negativity so it cannot whisper in the ear of my bride anymore. God is wanting to silence this enemy of negativity and gratitude and thankfulness and giving thanks. Finding something to be thankful about is such an important part of shutting off anxiety in your brain. 
So every time you pause, I want you to think about it this way. Every time you pause in a moment of feeling anxious and you choose to give voice to giving thanks, it's like the king of all kings and the lord of all lords balls up his fist and punches anxiety and negativity right in the jaw. So give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And when you've given thanks and anxiety is shut down, look at this, verse 7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, praiseworthy, giving thanks, giving praise. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. God is so good. He's, he's mightily at work. God is calming the, the storm that's raging within some people's lives right now. He's so good. He is worthy of our praise. If anything is excellent, anything praiseworthy, think about such things. Rehearse those in the brain. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Paul is declaring this. I'm walking this out in everything that I've walked out. Follow my example. Put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. This is crazy to think about, but you actually have the capacity to perpetuate the atmosphere of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness everywhere you go. And I'm not sure there's neutral ground to that. You know, somebody recently talking about uh, being in an Uber the driver was, you know, kind and conversational until somebody cut him off and then they were like crazy. And then the whole conversation, like the Uber driver then said to the person riding, like, ah, everybody does that. You do that, right? And of course, we've been hearing a lot about that because probably, quite honestly, it's been something that I've had to really work on in my life. Anybody else? Amen. Not enough amens in this room. I feel all alone. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, it's just so easy to be frustrated and get riled up, and then immediately it's like we're verbal and we're negative. I mean, this is the basis of road rage where people do the dumbest life-altering things because of a stupid bit of emotion because they're behaving like a toddler who didn't learn how to control their anger. I mean, these are training ground moments for us. Pay attention. Take it, explore that out a little bit more. Somebody says something horrible about you. Somebody says something horrible to you. It's a training ground moment. God is looking for the opportunity to entrust to you more authority in his kingdom, but he cannot entrust authority to a two-year-old. 
And the Lord's wanting to mature us. But we've got to be willing to pay attention. And the negative feasts keep us in this constant state of negativity and reactionary disposition. And Lord, lessen our reaction. Deepen our response. Learn to respond to him and not react to the circumstance around us. You have the capacity to perpetuate the atmosphere of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. What you process determines what you produce. You are what you eat. What you're taking in is determining what's taking place within you. I'm going to ask the worship team to just go ahead and come. <coughs> We're just going to take a, a few moments, and I'm not going to... I, I, I hope you understand, like... We're trying to learn what it means more so to be a practitioner than a preacher. Does that make sense to you? Like coming together, I don't want to just give you my best message and then, woo, you know, hope you come back, bring your friends. That's you know, let's build this thing. I want to be a practitioner. In other words, I want us to get in the presence of the Lord, hear a sense of what the Lord is saying, and let's interact with God about it. Because that should be our way of life. That's what you should be doing tomorrow. Something about gathering. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling. So there's a reason we do this. And when we come together and worship, there's this apostolic grace that comes upon the gathering of the body of Christ. Not just like connecting, you know, chilling with you know, my, my buddy, but like gathering together under the apostolic mantle where we come together as the body of Christ and we say, Lord, would you impart and awaken something within our hearts and lives so that we can go out and be who you've called us to be. That has to be taking place when we're gathering like this. Otherwise, we're just building a religious organization. So we don't want to just be preachers when we're standing up speaking. We want to be practitioners. Now, God chose to use preaching to launch the New Testament church in the book of Acts and thousands of people came to know Christ and the New Testament church was born. We know that that is an important part of what God's called us to do. Hearing without doing is trouble. In fact, the Bible actually says when we hear the word and walk away and don't do what we heard, we deceive ourselves. Isn't that an interesting verse of Scripture? I want to say it again. When you hear the word and you walk away and don't do it, you deceive yourself. Again, what that means is you don't even need a devil to deceive you. Because you have stepped away from any type of application of the reality of truth. So, in essence, it's being taken away from you because you never apply it. So, that's why I want to make sure we just take some time. I was in a service not too long ago and just listening to somebody speak. I had no responsibilities, just listening. And I was just sitting there thinking, okay, it's great. I appreciate the word. Give me a moment just to interact with God over this. And I, I thought, I mean, like, that's valuable. That's not happening very much in the church world that you and I live in today. So I just want to give you a moment to interact with God. I know the Lord's convicting us. Obviously, we've already started responding to that. I could just go straight to that. But how about we just take a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit to deepen what it is He's revealing in these moments together. So just do whatever you need to do to shut out the world. You know, it's probably best just to close your eyes and open your heart just reflect for a moment on what the Lord's speaking as a result of our coming together and celebrating the reality of His Word.
Come on, let's just stand in his presence together. Just in the presence of the Lord, we recognize. just recognize that um, even in moments of trying to love our neighbor well we probably tend to talk too much out of some sense of religious obligation when the idea of evangelism maybe comes to mind but would you help us to find this place just a relaxed place of listening to you and the way we interact with those around us not feeling like we have to change anybody, just learning how to more effectively love everybody. Just allowing you to have your way. We become an entry point to the rest and the presence of God. It's in our homes, in our friendships, in our workplaces, in a coffee shop, in a grocery store, in a restaurant, in our cars when we're just driving. Jesus mighty name <clears throat> so let me just ask um, sometimes it's just good to reposition ourselves to conquer something maybe the enemy's trying to uh, hold us back from but negativity something that you need to turn away from let go of just raise your hand let me just see we want, to, we want to just break that negativity today. I, I'd like to just ask, like, if you say, you know, that, that issue, that pessimistic negativity, I just want to lay that at the foot of the cross. I'd like to ask, we don't normally do this, but I'd like to ask just, would you make your way up here? And today we're going to just kind of come up there. Actually, altars on the sides, whether you know that or not, runners there, you can get on your knees there or just come right up here. But you just say, I'm just stepping away from that disposition of negativity that has had a hold on my life, a restraint on my faith. And I just want to come lay that at the altar. We're just going to lay it all at the altar today. We break that negativity. Lord, you said that you are breaking the jaw of negativity so that negativity will never be able to whisper in the ear of your bride. We just come together in agreement, Lord. In the name of Jesus. We give thanks and it shuts down that portion of our brain that produces anxiety. We give thanks. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now the Bible talks about singing over one another. And uh, I'd like us just to come into a place of worship. And those of you that are behind those who have come forward, I want you just to, 
We'll, we'll all be the prayer team today, okay? I want you to stretch your hands toward these that have come forward, and let's begin to sing this worship song. Let's sing over them. Let's release something. And I just say, let the Spirit of God be mightily at work in every one of our hearts in this room. those of you who came forward you've not already not already uh, doing so I want I just want to ask you let's just take all, all that negativity as if it's like in our hands like this and then we're just gonna lift all of that up to the Lord just take your hands and just give that all to him just in this moment Lord we surrender we surrender ourselves to you all the negativity Lord that has tried to attach itself to us causing a disposition that would war against and weaken our faith faith is the substance of things hoped for any area of our lives that lacks hope is under the influence of a lie and today those lies are broken and that negativity is no longer on our diet we're training for a race in Jesus mighty name come on let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise Come on, give him praise today. He is worthy, worthy, worthy of our praise.
Listen, let's, let's be really clear. Anybody in the world can put into practice the concepts that we're talking about. But we don't just need to live more positive lives. We need to surrender our hearts to Jesus. Like, he's the one who delivers us from us. I was strung out in a crazy place in life. And like, it wasn't until I came to the cross of Christ that I actually started to see all that correctly where he allowed me to see what needed to be seen so I could allow him to do what needed to be done in my life. And I'm on this journey, just like you. We're all on a journey just trying to find our way. But come on, let's just surrender the cross of Christ together. As we say, Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, you're risen from the grave. You are the Savior of the world. And today, we declare it in agreement, each one of us in this room. Come on, if he is your Savior, you accept that today. Say amen and give the Lord a celebration. We receive it now, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I know Haley's going to come in just a moment, and, and I want to just commission you. We bring God's presence to real life. When we gather together, we want to value and treasure God's presence because that's supposed to be our way of living. And so our action point where we're bringing God's presence to real life this week, I want to encourage you, destinyokc.com. Go there, look at the blog, get that daily declaration. Will you commit to do this? Like every day, say it. Modify it however you'd like, but rehearse these verses of Scripture and declare that over yourself every day. That person who said to me, you're talking and talking and nobody's listening, <laughs> let's show that person wrong. Would you agree? This week, let's make some positive declarations in Jesus' name. Come on, Haley. <laughs>